This is the Mickey Miles and More podcast. Your one stop for information on Disney races, Disney vacations, Disney theme parks, and more. Now, here are your hosts for the Mickey Miles and More podcast. Michelle Scribner-McLean, Chris Eliopoulos, and Mike Scopa. Welcome home, Milers, and welcome back to another episode of Mickey Miles and More, a podcast where three friends plus one talk about the Disney parks, the Disney races, and whatever else comes up. I'm Chris Eliopoulos, and with me, as always, is Dr. Michelle Scribner-McLean. Hi, Michelle. Chris, long time no talk. Long time no see. It's been, what, half a minute? Also with us is the... Good to see you again. Good to see you again. (laughs) The Dean of Disney, Mr. Mike Scopa. Hi, Mike. Hi, Chris. This is what we call up in New Hampshire, Pop Day. And Pop Day is when we see all the trees. They're finally blooming. We finally are away from winter. And okay. on spring Only Mike calls it Pop Day, right, it, Michelle? It is. Yeah, nobody in New Hampshire calls it. But he starts advertising it too much. He's trying to build up the thing. Yeah. He's trying to build a brand. Yeah. Yesterday, he was telling me it's like one to three days. And then today, he said it will be today at noon will be yeah, the pop. So, so, okay. It's popped. So welcome to it. Pop Day. Well, all right. On Pop Day, it's very special because we're welcome back and a returning guest, Becky Menkid of Mouse Fan Travel. Hi, Chris and Mike and Michelle. It's great to be back with you guys again. I've missed you. It's been so long. Becky has been with her travel agency running around the world, returning to somewhat normalcy when it comes to uh, visiting the Disney parks. And so we brought Becky back in again to talk about her dealings with this and to help us navigate this post quote unquote post COVID world, because obviously she knows it all and actually just returned from Disney world and a cruise and a whole bunch of other stuff. Becky, I'm going to start off. The first question is, so you got to go on the star Wars galactic cruiser. Is it worth the money period? That's my question. (laughs) That is such an interesting question too. And different ways you can answer it. Yes. Because all right, I will tell you the star cruiser is not for everybody. So the case of it being worth it to you or worth it to me is one of those questions that no one can answer but you, because we all put different values on things that we spend money on. So for me, if someone said, is it worth paying $800 for that uh, Louis Vuitton bag? It's for me, it's no, I'm not even going to spend $8 on a wallet because that's my value system. I, I have other things that I prefer to spend my money on. Now, if you come to me and say, is it worth $10,000 to go on a suite on a 14 night cruise? I'm going to say, absolutely. It's worth it because for me, that's what I value. I value experiences over things. So when you're talking about the star cruiser and sure, a, it's not for everybody. B it's an expensive experience. Clearly two people for two nights in three days or actually two and a half days is going to run you about $4,800. But when you start looking at all of the elements and what you get and what you get to do, for me, it is a great value because you're looking at two nights in a deluxe resort pretty much. And we all know right now, those little guys are racking at about 700 to a thousand dollars a night. And then you start adding on that all of your meals are included. And we're not talking about chicken nuggets from the theme park. We're talking about really good signature dining level food experiences on board. So you start adding that up for each person in the family. For me, it's interesting because it's a combo of, it's not just going into the Star Wars world. It's like 
the combination of a dinner mystery theater, a video game that you're playing, a role-playing video game, a show, like a Broadway level show on one night, um, a resort stay, all of these things. Oh, and a, an escape room. So you take all of those experiences and put a value on it, then you can see how the money is starting to go up and why it's a value in terms of the money you're paying. But again, it's it's a it's going to be one of those things that if you're a Star Wars freak, you are going to love it and you are going to be all in and you're going to say that was the best money you've ever spent. What if you're a Star um, Wars freak who hates dressing up and doing that whole LARPing garbage? Okay, here's the thing. You don't have to dress up. You can if you want. And there were people on board that were dressed up to the nines, the face paint and the hair stuff. And yeah, I'm out. The whole okay. You've made me? my decision for me. <laughs> Quiet. I'm not done yet. <laughs> You've got a Comic-Con all the time. <laughs> yeah, we exactly why. Them. Exactly why. But <laughs> and I stopped going to those too. Those are just some people. I was there in shorts and a t-shirt and just fine. You'd be as much of a part of it or as little as you want. But I will say that to get the real value out of being on board the Star Cruiser, you do have to come out of your shell a little bit. You do have to talk to the characters. You do have to have some conversations with the crew of the ship because that's how you're going to get your missions. And that's how you're going to get these experiences. You also do get missions via your data pad and you could just do that if you'd like but to get the full experience of being truly immersed in the story you kind of have to get out of your shell and when one of the characters says hey becky come here we need your help you go because then you're going to end up in a different location with a different mission trying to thwart the bad guys and i got into it and i'm not i'm not a big you know, i usually sit against the wall and watch things happen around me but i realized that this was something i needed to do and, and get out there and talk to people and it made the experience amazing lastly i will say it's um it's i, I feel like we should do like michelle said there should be a sampler out front and to try it out because i don't want to go <laughs> yeah, spending six thousand yeah. dollars right. on, on, on something that i may not enjoy but let's get off the galactic no, shark cruiser wait, i want to know where it is yeah. i don't even know where it is it's back behind <laughs> It, it's right behind Hollywood Studios. Okay. Near so what is it like when you arrive? Are you, do you park in just like, a regular parking lot or bring your starship no. into some dock? Or, Actually, yeah. the starship, you are you pull up to the loading dock pretty much, and you have your, your car is valeted for free. You take off your bags. They take them to your room for you, much like a cruise, and you board the transport that takes you to the Galactic Star Cruiser. And... Every moment that you spend from the time you hand over your keys to the, the valet to the time you return, if you allow yourself to be immersed in it, you're going to space. It really feels like it in the transport. You really feels like you are on board a star cruiser because you walk on board this ship after your transport to the ship and you can see the bridge of the ship and you can see space all around you. You can see the other ships that are going past the ship. It really is so well done and to me worth it what about the food you said it was really good it was are great you, are you eating with other people or 
Yeah, they do have one large cafeteria area that is dining room area, actually, that in for breakfast and lunch, you go in buffet style, but it's not like big, huge plates of, of stuff that you're worried about other people touching. They serve them in small bites on small plates, and you just pick the plates that you want from it from the buffet service area. So... It's everything from, and it's themed too. So it's like bacon and eggs, but yet it's done in a different way that makes it feel like it's elevated and much more out of this world, which is really cool. It's got that spin. Dinner is has two seatings, much like a cruise ship does because there's too many people to put in the dining room at one time. You go to dinner, you have a assigned seat. And when I was on board, you were seated at your own table with your own family. And those are served uh, plated meals. And again, I was so impressed with the food. It was really an amazing experience. And I, many of us were talking about it'd be great to have this type of food and the service that it, that it came with at a restaurant somewhere in Walt Disney World because it was that good. How many people do they do at once or in the... I want to say that there are a hundred cabins on board. So it and they accommodate up to four, but I'm not sure what their full capacity is, but you never feel crowded. And I, I know that I was on the very first sailing and I never felt like there were too many people or too crowded in any given spot. So they do have times where you have to come together, everybody on board the ship, because you have a muster drill. So everybody's all gathered in the same area. And that's probably the only time that, that everyone was together and you felt you were in a big crowd. But other than that, everybody's doing their own missions. Everybody's on their own agenda. Everybody's meeting their own characters. And sometimes the same family, you find that some are on the, the um, resistance and some are not. And all of a sudden, because you're standing there with your sister and you go, hey, I've got a mission in three minutes. And she says, I don't, which tells you that they've followed the path of the dark side while you're being the resistance. And it really is, it's great for families. It's amazing for families because they're all having to solve these puzzles and do these experiences together. Whether say dad's the big Star Wars nerd, mm -hmm. mom really doesn't care that much and the kids are into it you're going to have a great time all together because you're solving all these puzzles and doing these missions together. Our guests who take part of the Star Cruiser, do they get any special perks as far as going to Rise of the Resistance or anything like that? Yes, they do. <laughs> That's what's really cool is when you are transported because you're going to have a shore excursion into Galaxy's Edge or into Batu. they give you a special pin that you wear that shows that you are on board your star cruiser guest and the characters and the cast members in batu or batu citizens may have different conversations with you you may have different experiences because of that and you do get lightning lane access to both of the attractions in galaxy's edge unlimited when we were there it was just i'm not sure how that changed which is another reason why i want to go back and do it a second time because again i was on the very first one and i want to see how they've tested and adjusted so i'll be happy to report back on it when i do it a second time i don't know i think you should be taking too. taking us yeah. with you i think you should take us as a it's as... so much fun i i if you could get a, a, a gathering of your friends to go do this it, I laughed. There's a lot of running up and down stairs and around corridors because you're trying to avoid the 
the bad guys and the stormtroopers and you help save the galaxy, which is amazing. Okay. All right, Mike, I think you're bored with this conversation. So what other questions <laughs> did you have for Becky? So, so Becky, we're in interrogate post, the witness. We're in post COVID and people are now getting back to hopefully doing vacations that have been postponed for a year or two. So my question to you is, um, what advice would you give to clients who are contacting your MEI and Mouse Man Travel Vacation Planners? And what kinds of advice or guidelines can you give them to make them aware of changes that uh, have come about prior to when COVID hit us? Yeah, and this is what's tricky. And also what's great about having a vacation advisor work with you because all of the protocols are still changing. There's a lot of things that are still up in the air. We have protocols that are different in different countries. So if you're planning to still travel by a cruise ship or to any international destination, working with a vacation advisor is so important because you'll be up to date or updated on any and all changes in protocol. We still have places that if you're um, unvaccinated, you can maybe sail. Others you can't if you're not vaccinated. But there's also ports of call that say that you do have an exemption of some sort and you do sail. They're not going to let you into certain ports. So you need to still be very careful about booking certain cruise lines or sorry, certain cruise itineraries to make sure that you can enjoy that full experience. And when you're talking about land destinations, even in the United States, all of us have our own levels of tolerance to what's happening around us. And some of us still wear masks on planes. I am one of them. Some people are, they feel just fine about being, not wearing masks. You have to come at travel right now with what your own level of, of comfort is. And there's still people who are just not comfortable to travel yet. And that's completely understandable. I've now been on about 12 cruises and have gone to Disney destinations six times since, since we returned to travel. And it does feel a lot like it's coming back normal. But we also advise people to still go with your gut. If you feel like standing in an elevator with other people is uncomfortable, wear a mask. It's okay. You want to do what you need to do to make you and your family feel comfortable. So Becky, as somebody who's going to be going on some cruises this summer, I don't, you don't have to get too, too deeply into mm -hmm. this, but I would love to know what the how the experience is different from the last time we went on a Disney cruise from driving up to any other things that you can point out that are different. I've heard people say that the cruises are not as full, but maybe now they are the safety precautions. Absolutely. And that's, what's changing too, as of today, because it will change tomorrow or could change next week. As of today, if you're looking specific, specifically at a Disney cruise, they are pretty much returning back to their normal fill levels. So the capacities at one point, which I loved, was down to even 40%. And so you felt like you had a cruise ship all to yourself. That's gone away. There's, they're now in that 70 to 90% capacity of most of the ships. And so you got the crowds back. But every day the protocols kind of adjust and, and change a little bit, and especially based on where you're going. But when you arrive, actually before you arrive, you still have to download the applications of the Disney Cruise Line app. There's also a third-party app that will help assist you with your testing. 
So you're still doing COVID testing at the port. When you arrive, if you drive up, you basically drive in, you hand them your luggage, and then you go through a drive-through test. As you enter the parking lot, you have to take a COVID test and they ask you to park and wait until you get the results of your test before you can enter the, the terminal. So, oh, so you have to figure that in to your time that you're boarding? Correct. Mm -hmm. So when you get your boarding time, figure that that is your arrival time. So it, it means the arrival at the port. If it's 11 o'clock, I would say make sure that you're pulling up to get up your luggage out at about 1050, just so that you can arrive for your test in time. And it's important to them and to us to make sure that you get there during at your arrival time and not any time before, because they're really trying to make sure that there's not a big, huge line waiting for that drive up test. So that's all part of it. On board the ship, things are adjusting there too. The staff is wearing masks on board, but you do not have to if you don't feel like you need to. Um, there were many people on board when I was just there that in elevators or in crowded locations, they would wear a mask, but then they would just put them in their pocket when they felt comfortable and that they didn't need it. At one time they had dots on the decks that you had to stand on to keep social distancing. That has gone away, but they're still asking you to be a little bit more sensitive to people around you and not try to crowd in. So it's like this interesting mishmash of protocol right now. As long as you've tested negative and you get on board the ship, it's okay. We're all negative. Everything is fine. But they still are asking you to keep it in the back of your mind that we still have COVID. If you are tested, I'm sorry. That's what I was going to ask. What happens if you're tested positive? If you test positive, then you're asked to speak to somebody in the port. You will not be boarding the ship, clearly. You do get a, a refund or it depends on the cruise line because some of them will just give you a refund outright. Others are doing an FCC so that you can return to it another time at the vacation. But every port is handling that differently. But just suffice it to say that you're not going to be boarding the ship. What's FCC mean? Uh, future cruise credit. Oh, okay. So basically, you're not going to lose the money if you test uh, positive. They're going to make sure. ain't going to get it back. Yeah, oh, you might. There's, you have they to show do... vaccination proof? Mm -hmm. Or I guess you can't in Florida. I don't know. Yep, you can. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's one of those wonderful things. They ask you to upload it beforehand. So they check your vaccination status. You... I have been asked at the port to show my vaccination card. And there's been other times where they say it's been uploaded. We see that it's okay. So make sure that you have it with you because you will probably be asked for it, even in Florida. Imagine that. <laughs> Oof. Do you have another well, question? Any other cruise questions while we're... So Becky, if you go, let's say you go to, let's say St. Thomas, any island you get off the ship, when you get, when you are getting back on the ship, do you have to take another test? No, you do not. And that is where that feeling of, for me and for the party that I was with on this last cruise, once we went to another island, we actually went to Nassau, many of us stayed on board, knowing that people went off the ship and came back on the ship, most of us masked up at that time, just knowing that they could have been exposed. So the cruise line is really good about reminding people if you have the sniffles, if you feel like you have a cold, if you don't feel well, please call us. And you know, hopefully we all know people are people. Most people will hopefully call them and take them up on that. Others may not. So again, it's up to you to just keep yourself as safe as you can to the level of comfort that you This is probably a question that has an obvious answer, but I still need to ask it. If there's a family of four and three of the four are 
negative and one of the four is positive, what happens? If you are with that family and you've driven up and one of you is positive and three are negative, no one is boarding the ship because you've the other three have had direct exposure to the person who um, does have COVID and that can show up anytime between one and five days after exposure. If you have a bunch of friends and you're all coming in from different parts of the country, do not arrive at the port together because if you arrived at the port together, you are most likely not going to get on board the ship together if one of you is positive. Good advice. Or don't check in together. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of COVID, so how is Cosmic Rewind? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mr. I. I sorry. Taking well, you know, it to a whole nother mindset really fast. What's so funny is when we were at Epcot, as my landscapers are outside, we surprised by how much traffic was going to Ratatouille. Mm -hmm. And now with this new attraction, I'm wondering how much of that is going to get split. It's going to be like the old days between Soren and Test Track, where everybody split off and went to yeah. those first thing in the morning. But so it's set to open up May 27th. Can you give us uh, an overview of what the attraction is? I, I believe it's a roller coaster. Oh, yes. Um, and, and then give us your thoughts on it. Absolutely. It's completely indoor roller coaster and it is one of the longest if indoor roller coasters if not the longest indoor roller coaster in the world and if you just stop and take a look at that show building you can understand why there's been a, a lot of misinformation about this coaster until some of us finally got to get a chance to experience it and then talk about it because they've been talking about it as being a family friendly coaster and yeah while it is 42 inches is the uh, height requirement to get on board it can be a little intense too. So you want to make sure that you do your due diligence with the small kids to make sure that this is going to fit them. But it's not your typical roller coaster either, which makes it even more exciting. You are going to the Xandar Pavilion. So basically, Epcot, all the, the World Showcase pavilions, this is now the Xandarian Pavilion that you're going to be entering. Um, as you get into that story, you're visiting the pavilion, but of course, something horrible goes wrong and you have to help save the galaxy. So I've been saving the galaxy a lot lately with different, yeah, thank different Disney thank adventures. But the experience itself, um, it's hard to explain, but I can tell you, for those of you who are a little shy of indoor coasters, I'm one of those people that's a little bit susceptible to that type of motion. I'm not good with the standing starts with the electromagnetic starts where you're just sitting there and then bam, you go and the G-forces hit you and you have to do the airplane grunt trick to get through those few seconds. This is not that. You're not going to be inverted. It's not an invert. You're not going to go upside down. There's no big drops. So there's nothing that you should be afraid of if those are the things that, that bug you the most. Um, it's it's so backwards. Exactly. And at first I was thinking when I got in the car and then they turn you around and you know that, okay, this is pr pretty much it. I was ready to do that whole pilot grunt thing. But then you just start moving backwards and then you move faster. But it is so smooth. It's just, oh, we're going back backwards fast. It didn't have that G-force feeling that makes your stomach drop at all, which was amazing. Yeah, it's not Everest. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the fact that, because I was so afraid. I was, my, my palms were sweaty. I was thinking this is going to be one of those horrible experiences to get through. 
but it was so smooth and you just start moving backward and the music starts. It has six different songs. Disco Inferno, September, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, One Way or Another, Conga in Iran. So that rewritability thing is so there because you want to get the next song. I was giggling and laughing and just having a great time because think about the motion is so unique. And that's what's so neat about this, this attraction is that it's not a typical coaster. You're going fast, but think about the Haunted Mansion Doom Buggies for a second and how they rotate you to make you look at the thing they want you to pay attention to. So if you think about being on that track in Haunted Mansion where they're turning you side to side to see different things, and then imagine the Haunted Mansion buggies going 60 miles per hour, <laughs> and then sprinkle in a little Space Mountain and a little Big Thunder, and that's what this coaster is all about. So it's amazing. The one place, if you are susceptible to motion, there is one point that it has a pretty wicked helix, which means you're just going in a circle. It's not spinning you. You're never spinning 360 degrees. So that's a lot of people have assumed that even though the car can turn 360, they're not spinning you like a teacup at any given time. But the helix does rotate you around i'm not going to give any spoilers so rotates you around something that you're looking at and if you're susceptible to motion that may bother you so in that scenario i would say do what i did there's an over-counter medication called bonine and i took that about an hour beforehand and i walked out off that attraction feeling just fine um it, the whole experience, again, is it's, if you've ever been on Mission Breakout in Disneyland, where you're getting on this attraction, which used to be brooding and, and a little dramatic, it's a party and a ride. You are laughing. You are, you're saving the galaxy in windy motion that's all around you as you watch what's happening as the Guardians help you save the galaxy. Is that the um, retheme terror? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's Mission yeah, Breakout. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. I. I laughed the entire time. I was howling, laughing. Yeah. So cool how theming can just change your whole experience. Exactly. Yeah. Where before in Tower Terry, you'd walk in because it was creepy and you didn't know what was going to happen to you. And it was dramatic. And you would ride the ride and go, oh, I'm so glad I lived. This was on Mission Breakout. You walk in, you, the music starts, and everybody's going, yay. And you're all just together at a party until it's over. And then you want the party to keep going. And that's what happens on this coaster. It does have some pretty comedic narratives that are underneath the music. So as the music's playing, different uh, characters are speaking and there's a ton of just hilarious narrative that's happening. And the first time you write it, you may not notice it because you're so much into the, my God, my body is doing things I didn't think it was could do. But then you write it a second time and, and you definitely get those comedic parts. And I then, read in some article recently that they have little hints about the next Guardian of the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy that's coming out. So there are things from the new movie that are in there too that we'll if, recognize after we see the new movie. I was going to say I don't recognize it yet, but after the next movie, I can certainly see that happening. Um, you're back. The first time I wrote it, I was so into what was happening around me. I totally forgot that we were that there was a story that we were saving the world. So I I missed all of that. But as you 
walk off the coaster, it's a ton of Easter eggs, by the way, but as you walk off the coaster and exit the building, you're not walking into the gift shop because, again, the building is a Zendarian pavilion. So you're walking where cast would have been the, the Zandarian cast members would be leaving the building to go walk on stage like anybody, other cast members at other destinations. So what do they have? They have a mirror there, at, just as you do when you are a cast member walking on stage that is written in Zandarian that basically alludes to the make sure that you're neat and pretty, you are representing Zandar, Zandar and do it well. But you wouldn't know that translation unless you're a geek like me that goes in and tries to translate it, and which we did. Can you use Google <laughs> Translate? <laughs> no, actually, thankfully, I had a couple of friends that, that were kind of part of all this and gave me some hints on some of the, um, some of the code. So that was a lot of fun. But I, this is one of those attractions, again, that is going to be very popular. It's starting with a virtual queue and will be an individual lightning lane option as well. But at this point, if you want to get on, once it opens, the virtual queue will open at 7 a.m. like the others have done in the past. Cool. I will great, say... Great description. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I will say I got to see the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy a week before it came out because I worked for Marvel. And I said to everybody, this is a better property than even Avengers. And everybody made fun of me and said it was going to go nowhere. Nobody knew anything. And now look at this. How many <laughs> Guardians attractions do we have? And... How many people love the, the thing? Mike, any other last questions before we let Becky get back to work? I want to commend Becky on a very detailed and uh, uh, very great description. I've Thank read you. about it and uh, a lot of the things uh, I've read had some gaps in it and Becky filled the gaps. And one of the things that she said that we have also heard from a cast member is that the ride is very smooth. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. they said. It was smooth and a lot longer than they thought it was going to be. And I would say also pay attention to the queue. Um, there's some really cool, because again, it's the pavilion. So it's going to have displays and things that relate to Xandar. And there's also like a Good Morning America kind of show mm -hmm. where the Guardians are being interviewed, which is really interesting because one of the Easter eggs is that Peter Quill talks about his love of Epcot because he visited there as a child. So there's a lot awesome. of that type of thing. Yeah, all inside baseball. And they're bringing back fanny packs. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Mickey Miles and more. If you want to reach out to us, send us a message on Twitter at Mickey Miles Pod. I want to thank Becky Menken of MEI Mouse Fan Travel, mousefantravel.com for coming to visit. I'm going to tell a little anecdote. I don't even know if Becky knows this story. So a good friend of mine used one of her travel advisors and was looking to make sure that she got her lightning lane reservations for Rise of the Resistance and a few others and was really stressing about it. And after she was able to get on easily and figure the whole system out, thanks to her advisor, she made sure to call me and thank me for recommending Becky and her team because they did such a wonderful job of making her trip Sweet. magical. Yes, it was really nice to hear. And she thanked me for recommending you. So to like her, I recommend it to all our listeners. Please go visit her at mousefantravel.com. For Dr. Michelle Scribner-McLean, Mike Scopa, the Dean of Disney, I'm Chris Eliopoulos. And thank you, Becky. We'll see you on the road and in the parks. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode of the Mickey Miles and More podcast. For all of us here at the Mickey Miles and More podcast, this is Rick Gregg saying thanks for listening and all your support. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.
Rapdrop, Papyrus, 